another episode of Flicks and Chill, a movie discussion show. I'm Kev. I'm Cal. And today we're talking about streaming, specifically on the most popular service, Netflix. We have some homework to talk about. We give a sneak peek at the Oscar noms, and then we give out some easy to watch Netflix recommendations. It's all next on Flicks and Chill. Cal, we're back in the in-person recording studio for the first time in many months. Feels good. Feels right. And yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, had a professional day at work today. Uh, so had a, like a morning workshop and then went for fried chicken with my coworkers. And then I came here. It's funny that I, whenever you had pro D days, like when you were a kid in school, you definitely did not understand that the teachers were just working and like working on improving themselves or whatever during those days. Like I was just like, that's a day off for everybody. I never even once considered that what it actually meant until I had friends that are teachers. Yeah. And I would say I'm the same way. I didn't consider that at all. And like, well, today I spent four hours like talking about how to help people that we might think be showing signs of potential like suicide. So it was like actually one of the coolest workshops I've done. So Right, but definitely not a day off. No. Yeah. But it was a chill day. Fair enough, fair We had cinnamon buns. That makes any day better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we got a lot to talk about from Oscar nominations that came out this month to a couple updates in our months, but um, I just want to ask you, we have um, in Vancouver, the restrictions were eased like this week mm-hmm. and have been like steadily easing over the course of the last month, but um, it really feels like we're heading into spring with a little bit of positive momentum as far as COVID is concerned. And we've been doing this recording basically starting at the very beginning of COVID-19 or like partway through the COVID-19 like uh, pandemic. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts on like how things are going? I guess I'm just curious of where everyone else stands. I feel like it's going well. Um, I've had several coworkers around me over the past like, couple of weeks get covid but they've been they're they're back at work like five days later and so you know they get sick but they seem to be like recovering well which is like a good sign and then otherwise uh like we're playing frisbee again which i i I, like i know you've been dedicated to it for the past two years i have not been i haven't played in two years so that's like really like a big like bright spot back in my life and i'm playing twice a week and it's feeling great the body's feeling pretty good like i'm 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 pretty pretty happy right now kev yeah i'm glad to hear that and yeah it is it there is a big difference between like pandemic training where it was like a lot of like solo training and then we worked with our team specifically Mm -hmm. And then had one tournament in the last two years. So there is a big difference between that and like steady going to league every week. And even those first, especially those first few weeks of league were like, felt like a big like pressure release and like celebration because there's a lot of people in the community, even like good players that like I know are training and playing on different teams that we just don't see like that I wouldn't have seen over the last two years. So it's a little different. Like for me, like I was expecting my body to be in like, good game shape and stuff ready to go for league that's that was less of a concern for me but more like seeing people that i would have normally seen like twice a week for the last five years that mm-hmm. i just didn't see at all for two years so it was pretty cool and it was like a it was like a fun i don't know felt felt kind of emotional to be honest the first couple of weeks now we're a little more into it and you know, a little less the shines off a bit yeah it's like a social celebration 
that just like you know what we've had some losses the last couple weeks tough you know we're out there but i like i think three four years ago i would have cared a lot more and i'm just like stoked to be playing with my friends and maybe that's me getting older and like caring a little bit less and like but now i'm just happy to like be with my my people yeah that's that's a good point it's like the perspective is a little bit there. It's like, hey, you got to play play league for a decade, and you were like, yeah, it's great, I love it, and then it gets taken away for two years, and now it's back. You're like, okay, I really this, I really appreciate the fact that we get to do this. So I I empathize, but yeah, this isn't a this isn't a uh, you know an ultimate pod as much as we could <laughs> I'm sure do that. Um, but uh, yeah, speaking of being like a little more occupied with training and ultimate and stuff, I have to say, as far as movie watching goes. It's just been tougher. And I know we experienced this a little bit last summer when restrictions eased and we had, you know, more chances to get out or go on little trips or whatever. But, um, you know, regardless of restrictions, it's just I've found for me it's been a bit busier. A, I've been watching Game of Thrones. I finished it. So that's off the table. Uh, But I've also just been like training and and playing more. And every, every night seems to have like something a lot more kind of pre pandemic style where it's like, Monday league, Tuesday training, Wednesday off, Thursday whatever training, squash, boom. All of a sudden Friday you actually see some people now, so you go out a little bit more, or whatever, or go out for dinner, or whatever. And then um, before you know it, the weekend's busy, disc golf, whatever it is. So I find it it um, I'm really having to be like, okay, these are my times, so I'm gonna get some movie watching and be a bit more intentional about it because I feel like uh, during the pandemic, like the heart of pandemic, it was like I didn't do shit. So I didn't have to be intentional about like, I got to get two in tomorrow or I got to watch one tonight. Or it was just like, what do I do? I don't have anything to do. Of course I'm going to watch a few movies. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've had more free time than you, I would say. So I've, I've been able to keep up my movie watching, but I feel like as the, if it was like warmer out, I would be out and about much more. And I, I sense that I would have like more things to do and well, I like, I think I can watch more movies than you because you just have more activities with like your high level elite ultimate. And you're just, <laughs> just a busy boy. Kev. A busy little bee. But, um, I, I, I also sense that I will, I, I will get busier as well and it's good. It is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's life, good. Is, life is about balance. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, there's a balance. Like some months I watch 40 movies, some months I, some months I watch eight. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I do. I also get the sense that um, this month I will watch a few more. I think the Oscar nominations dropped, which I want to talk with you now. Yeah. Uh, and I just think with those coming out, I feel like, okay, we knocked off a bunch of the 2021s and we did a 2021 episode a couple, um, like last month or the month before. And but now it's like crunch time, Oscar time. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to do a pod, a bonus pod. So stay tuned to that at the beginning of March. So in a couple of weeks here and uh, we'll, we'll do like a sick Oscar app. And I want to feel absolutely ready for that episode, but I also want to see the stuff because Oscars last year was really fun as a viewer and um, as like an educated viewer. And yeah, I, so I want to be back in that absolute zone. So there's definitely a few on the list that I want to tackle. So um yeah, I'm looking forward. What, what did you make of the Oscar noms? Just first first glance. I know we'll, we'll go in depth next month. First glance, I was surprised and like elated to see Coda get a nomination for Best Picture. And also like 
quite happy to see Troy Kotzer, who plays the father in Coda, be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Um, otherwise, the thing that I was... I, I thought... We talked about it last episode. Come on, come on. I thought Come on, come on would, like, get something. Just not a single nomination? Absolutely blanked. I, I, Pretty surprising. I don't really get honest. it. Yeah. I thought Walking Phoenix was really good. I guess they only nominate five actors. Um, but... I'm still looking forward, like lots of good movies up there. At the moment, of they have ten nominations for Best Picture. I have not seen Drive My Car, I ha- which is a three-hour Japanese movie. Uh, I have not seen Nightmare Alley, and I think that's the only one I'm missing. The only two. Yeah, and I'm missing those two plus West Side Story, which I have full faith that I can knock off all three of those best pick noms in the next like couple weeks here. Um, especially, I know we've we've talked about going to the theater now a little bit more, even more so. Like we had, we have gone in the last few months, but the restrictions and COVID just made it feel less desirable. Whereas mm-hmm. now, like the rules have changed, and it just feels safer and like there's a little more energy around the going yeah. and uh so i look forward to seeing definitely uh the worst person in the world in yeah theaters. yeah that, which got nominated for i think best original screenplay yeah, and best international probably yes yeah um so that's yeah so that's like pretty exciting um and yeah i'm just looking forward to oscar season like really getting getting going in earnest in the next couple weeks here um so yeah Mm-hmm. If I could give one tip of advice, uh, try to see West Side Story in a theater. Okay, I think the experience will be uh, that much better, and I think that's part of the reason why it was my number one. I think seeing it at home wouldn't have like it's 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 a spectacle to see, especially those, these big dance numbers. The one in the one in the gymnasium, I was like, wow, okay, I'm in. That's the so. keeper. That's the big time keeper. Yeah. Um, okay, so I finished Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't want to go too in-depth because this is a movie show, not a, uh, not a TV show. Um, that being said, uh, obviously the eighth, the eighth season came to its fair share of criticism. Yeah, um, how'd you feel about that? I felt okay as a non-book reader. I was enthusiastic that I kind of, like, that it wrapped up, albeit, like, it felt rushed. But I did, I did think to myself, like how could they wrap this up in the amount of time that they gave themselves to do it? Like I, it felt like anything they, they could have done would have been dissatisfying. So, um, I'm definitely not like a game of Thrones, like lifer. It's, it never meant that much to me aside from the fact that I started this year and I was like, this is a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't as off put by it as the people who absolutely ride or died for it so hard and then had to wait two years to see it kind of flop, I guess, at the end. Um, so I kind of feel for those people. But for me, it was like, I was like, well, okay, it's over. And, you know, they highlighted the people they wanted to highlight and then they killed everyone else. <laughs> so <laughs> um, no, like, major, major issues. But, uh, yeah, it, it obviously was a little unsatisfying. What was... Now, I, I watched the show. Um, I want to ask you, what was your biggest, like, oh my gosh moment whether it be like the ending of a specific episode or because they have a lot of them yeah the show's known for that you know the penultimate episode definitely yeah yeah. so is there one that sticks out give me one here don't name like three yeah i'm i'm trying to think i feel like an obvious one would be when they like 
finally break through the wall at the because then they've like the ice dragon okay although i actually think that was kind of expected so it didn't shock mm-hmm. me but it was still like grandiose and it definitely was like okay because they say like winter's coming like all series yeah. long i'm that, talking the whole series yeah i know that okay. moment was it's here now yeah. so it was like pretty important seeming um i feel like if you asked me a couple months ago when i was like more locked into season like one through three and stuff i'd probably have a better answer sure but that one feels the most like important to the whole like world Mm -hmm. because it was like the most like when they when the dead army got a dragon i was like oh god (laughs) 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 so i wasn't yeah but like i said that was more like from a total important standpoint i was like this is the real deal and everyone like the second last episode is pretty epic always yeah for me the thing that stands out uh that immediately came to mind i know everyone wants to talk about the red wedding um for me it's like the hold the door uh the hodor oh, episode oh, yeah, that yeah. was like uh, yeah like i got goosebumps during that yeah, yeah. for me it was that's that cool. that was definitely a cool moment and uh, even though i was like pretty confused to be honest about how like all the like time travel and shit works sure brand <laughs> yeah <laughs> but well, yeah that's understandable yeah uh yeah good stuff yeah good stuff um before we hop to our homework uh, and then get into our netflix streamers um i wanted to talk about a movie we both watched this month called the novice yeah um a new movie uh a really cool glimpse into (laughs) obsession i guess just to give the listeners a little it's about a like a woman who goes to university and wants to try to make the rowing team um that's basically it to be honest Mm -hmm. and there isn't that much more from a plot perspective that you need to know without kind of giving away certain sections of it not not that you can honestly really spoil it no but basically it's just about obsession and the perspective of an of an athlete trying to basically be the best to an unhealthy degree definitely um and as someone who's a sports person uh i there's a lot of parallels i can see from like the addiction and obsession with like sport mm-hmm. um so i thought it was really a really rewarding watch um and i think i would recommend anyone a lot of our friends that listen to this like played sports or are ha- currently play sports and i think mm-hmm. it's like it's an interesting take on like a sports movie i wouldn't consider it in like the traditional sense of like sports movie world because it's like not it's for sure a sports movie though it absolutely is a sports movie but it doesn't it doesn't follow along the same lines if we were like let's do a top five sports movie like four out of the five or five out of the five would have the same like team does x y and z then they win or don't there's, win and the, there's like, a championship at championship, the end right none of that shit happens in this it's way more an isolated like perspective on one person um which i thought was really cool and they picked a cool sport to do it with because i don't know a ton about rowing so it was like pretty dramatic and pretty like graphically pleasing yeah for me when i was thinking about when you say graphically pleasing i kept thinking about the social network and when they have the big race on the water there and the music's pumping and like this one while it's like filmed it looks great when 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 she's when our main character's on the water and stuff it's totally not about the actual like mechanics of rowing i mean they get into it a little bit but it's just more about her psych psych psychology and how she becomes obsessed with becoming not just making the team, but smashing the records of the seniors on the team as the freshmen. And to an unhealthy degree, she's got that big bandage on her hand that she's really neglecting. Yeah, like she should go to the hospital immediately. Yeah. For sure. She's like 
got a real problem. Like, I don't even know what that would be, blood poisoning or something. Now, I, I wanted to ask you, do you, like, you have played, we both play sports, but you have played sports at a much higher level, at, like, the highest level of ultimate mm-hmm. you can get mm-hmm. with the World Games team. That's awesome. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do you see any parallels in yourself as we do our main character? Mm, well, You're a chill guy. She's not very chill. <laughs> no, she's not. And I've definitely met people in sport. I mean, she's got a pretty single track mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I do consider myself fairly obsessive. So I can like empathize with our main character in the sense that like often like on my mind, I have one thing going on and I like commit to it pretty wholeheartedly. I do consider myself like fairly like, I don't know, like friendly and like easy to like talk to and like what she wasn't. No. So like, I guess as far as like an obsession goes, like it just didn't like ruin me, if that makes sense. Like it didn't like ruin my day to day right? or like absolutely like warp me. Like I fear, I feel like I've had, I was able to have some level of balance through like school and then playing ultimate and then like work and like playing ultimate. And I feel like I, so I feel fortunate that I, but I, that I've been able to like achieve like some level of balance. Someone else might look at my life and be like, that's not balanced. Like all you do is think and work and prep yourself for ultimate and stuff, which mm-hmm. is fair. But like, this is a whole other level. Mm-hmm. This is like a, a very like unhealthy obsession. And um, the only thing I can say is that like, cause she's at college, right? She's playing, she's like kind of 18, probably 18 or 19. She's like in her first year of college. So she's really like just trying to do it all. Yeah. And I feel like that would have been the era when I would have empathized a little harder where it's like, I did just like throw every single day and like think about it nonstop. And like, that's right. all I really did. I did have like friends and a girlfriend and like, you know, like we did like school stuff, but like none, like everything was kind of like adjacent to like my main thing that I wanted to do. It just didn't like totally fucking bury me, right. which is nice because it totally like warped her and t- completely took her over. And you can see in the movie, she becomes obsessed she just is someone who can become so focused on a certain thing you see when she's doing her exams yeah and she's looking through it uh, like a four or three four hour exam uh to like the eighth time or whatever it is so that's just part of her personality probably for sure yeah and it was cool and like this this type of storytelling I, I in my opinion only really works with a sport where it's like you are an individual motor Mm-hmm. And you just go. Yeah. Right. There's a huge difference between that and like a team, a team skill sport. sport where you rely on like throwing something or receiving something or hitting something to someone else or like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause you just like, you can like train your ass off, but to a certain point you have to like, you're only in so much control. Yeah. You're only in so much control. If you were like a single boat rower, like what she did for a large chunk of this, she just is like, pull, 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 do your, do the thing with the legs and the breathing and like the smashing. So she can just like, you can become obsessed about one to two mechanical motion, just hammer them nonstop, which is what she did. You can't really do that in a lot of other sports. You could do that with cycling or running or something, but um, in any case, uh, it's a little different. So, um, but the movie itself, really, really cool, and a debut filmmaker, um, which I thought was rad. So, I would highly recommend it. And it's uh, probably not that easy to access yet, but it'll come out on a streaming service or rentable pretty soon, probably. Yeah, yeah. So that's the novice. Awesome, awesome recommendation. Uh, I wanted to give a recommendation for uh, a new movie. If you are in Canada and you have Crave, you can watch it. It's called Kimmy. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh. It stars Zoe Kravitz. And 
90-minute movie, crime thriller. In and out, I zapped it last night, had a lot of fun. Here's a little premise. Kimmy is uh, one of those home devices that you'll have, uh, similar to an Alexa. And the main character, uh, played by Zoe Kravitz, is a computer software engineer and she works for the company Amygdala (laughs) that has invented Kimmy and her job is to listen to different times when Kimmy's have made mistakes in people's homes like you know I tell you to turn on the music and you play the wrong song well she'll get a little thing that pops up that says oh like I made a mistake Zoe Kravitz will then listen to it Make the correction, and then Kimmy starts to improve upon itself. It's always learning. So she's doing that, and at one point she comes across what she thinks is a crime happening. Not in real time. I guess, like, pretty close to real time. But, and she doesn't know where the person is. So she brings this to her company's attention. And, of course, the company doesn't really, like, want this to, like, be seen. And it becomes an issue. Uh... And I don't want to give any more of it away than that, but I really like this movie uh, and I would highly recommend anyone to check it out. If you have Crave, put on Kimmy. It's it's very stylish. It's like the way that they incorporate texting and FaceTime into the actual movie feels very seamless. And if you've seen, uh, I mentioned this to you off air, Kev, but if you've seen Alfred Hitchcock's movie, The Rear Window, it's like a modern rear window. But instead of like the 1950s or whenever they filmed it, uh, we're talking 2022. So check out Kimmy if you got a chance. I really couldn't recommend it anymore. Yeah, and it's set in like a COVID era, right? Which is mm-hmm. adds an interesting layer to it as well. Yes, uh, the nice thing about that is while it is set in current time where we're dealing with COVID, it doesn't make the story about COVID. It's just like an, a small aspect about it where you're like, oh, yeah, she is dealing with this. It is affecting her. But it's not like you're watching a movie where the virus is your primary concern. Yeah, fair so. enough. Um, I do want to just ask you very briefly about like you said that the the movie incorporates, say, like texting. Mm-hmm. And we've watched some other movies from recent times. Like yeah. we watched The Fallout and yeah. we watched uh, like Zola. Zola and we watched Eighth Grade, which is from a few few years ago. But yeah. there's like this new era of movies that deal with like, um, I would say like largely like teens, but not always with like they are communicating. Yeah. It, it really made me think, especially The Fallout, really made me think about how like let's say you're watching a movie from like 2005 mm-hmm. for example and it's like some teenagers yep. they just like phone each other and then as the viewer you just get to hear the phone conversation and yep. you see the actors with the phone up against their ear talking or laughing or doing mm-hmm. whatever right but in 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 modern era and that that would have been the case for many years worth of like many many years 75 years worth of movies sure. or whatever right but now it's like not the reality of a teenager which is not phone their friend. And so they've had to incorporate this like new 
way of like filmmaking to show the text like bubbles pop up and everything and it's in like more and more every movie every year that yeah. you'll see and you'll actually notice it a lot more and um it's interesting because they have a few different ways one the like text bubble pops up on the screen yep as its own thing which is what they do in kimmy yeah and or there's like the the camera pans and films the screen yeah. Right. That's also an option. Or mm-hmm. there's like a third, which is similar to the, well, it's kind of a hybrid where it's like they put up the whole screen on the, like, if that makes sense. Like, right. it'll be like an Instagram video with like some comments below and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Where they kind of like screen impose it almost. So I'll be curious to see like how that continues because you just, they're going to have to like continue to do that. And at, at first glance, when you see like a text bubble pop up, I think it, it takes, not necessarily takes you out, but it's like, you know, it really date stamps it. Mm-hmm. And you're not, and it's not a phone conversation, which is just, it's just, that's just dialogue, realistically. It's actually a lot different. And I've realized now that it, it's going to change like a lot about how we see like, how that fits in. Cause like, I feel like it used to be kind of hokey if you had like DMs pop up on the screen. Right. Oh, it's like a lot more common and it's just like part of what we're ha- going to have to deal with watching movies because they can't in good conscience show like a 16 year old like phone her friend. No, so it just it's not, it's not realistic. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or you're seeing more FaceTiming as yeah, well. Yeah. You're not seeing uh, phone calls. So. Right. Good point. Or like photo messaging or stuff like that. Yeah. So stuff that's more realistic. Mm-hmm. It's the euphoria age. I watched two episodes of that. It is wild. Yeah, I know. I have to get on uh, that. I, we, I don't, I don't want to get into it, but wild. All right, let's do our homework, Cal. Yeah. Um, okay, so I assigned you the way, way back, and you assigned me Psycho. Pretty much the same movie. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, so why don't you go first? Okay, yeah. So uh, The Way, Way Back is directed by Matt Faxon and Jim Rash. It's 2013 coming-of-age film starring Liam James as Duncan, an introverted 14-year-old who spends his summer break at a beach house with his mom and her boyfriend's family. The boyfriend, played by Steve Carell, is rude, he's condescending towards Duncan, and so is his teenage daughter. So, Duncan's not really having a good time. No. Uh, Duncan is also, he doesn't have a, like a great relationship with his father, doesn't get to see him that often. He's desperate for uh, a male to look up to. And he actually befriends a man named Owen, who's the manager of the Water Wiz, yeah. <laughs> who's played by Sam Rockwell. Uh, so Sam Rockwell's character, Owen, gives Duncan a summer job at the water park, the Water Wiz, and kind of takes Duncan under his wing and showing him that he's cool and that he deserves to be appreciated and... Uh, yeah, uh, thoughts that I had about the movie. I it's I was worried at the beginning that I was not gonna like it because for the first like thirty minutes I was like, basically I didn't really dig the star uh, Liam James, the, the main actor as Duncan. I didn't like really find him that charismatic or uh, like. Which is kind of shitty to think about because in the very beginning of the movie, Steve Carell is like, asks him, what do you rate yourself? And Duncan's like, oh, maybe I'm like a six. And Steve Carell's like, I think you're more like a three. <laughs> and you were like, I agree. Steve. Yeah, I'm like, oh no, I'm Steve Carell now. But uh, he definitely, as he meets Sam Rockwell and comes out of his shell, you start to like him a little bit more. Um, but overall, 
it's a pleasant movie. Uh, Tony Collette plays his mother. I I love to see Tony Collette in a mothering role. You know, talk about hereditary. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but also, um, I, the the movie's definitely cringy at certain parts. Like, there's a little breakdance scene where he gets the nickname Pop and Lock. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I I didn't love that. <laughs> I mean, it is meant to be cringy. Yeah, I could yeah. I, I couldn't handle fair, it. Fair, fair, fair. Um, but I would say Sam Rockwell steals the show, and the film is successful in like you really really dislike Steve Carell, and you're supposed to, and it was a it was a good little summer flick. Yeah, yeah, good little summer flick. Yeah, um, yeah, I. I mean, this movie is exactly what it is. It's like a little coming of age of an awkward introvert who learns to meet some friends and have an okay summer despite like pretty shitty circumstances. Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell is just basically always unbelievable. So yeah. that's a real treat. And the cast is pa- pretty packed. Yeah. So, Maya Rudolph yeah. is in there. And uh, Allison Janney. Janney and, yeah. Uh, in any case, it's just, it's just. Good. I, I liked it. I'm glad. I'm glad you you came around on it during. I actually agree. It's like the start is like you're worried it might not be able to like hang at a certain level, but the performances by like Sam Rockwell part- in particular, yeah. Miles Rudolph and Tony Collette, like the performances hold it to like I think a pretty high level actually for like as far as like a you know a teen coming of age story. I feel like potentially in different hands or with different actors, it just goes down as like a meh. But I thought it was pretty solid. Nice. Um, okay, so, uh, you assigned me Psycho. Yeah. Um, by Alfred Hitchcock, a 1960 movie. Um, the plot summary is a woman who's running away with 40 grand stays at the Bates Motel, where she is murdered under mysterious circumstances. Um, a PI and her sister and her boyfriend, or her lover, I guess, go in pursuit um, of the information just to and they wind up discovering like this psychotic murderer motel owner <laughs> that that's basically it um my notes are uh, obviously this is like an iconic classic that i hadn't seen and uh, was very thankful to um have it assigned and then commit the time to actually watching it um I mean, obviously, like, the classic, like, shower murder scene jumps to mind, right? It's it's replicated in pop culture a lot. The, like, music, the, like, scratchy violin that, like, kind of plays a backdrop to everything that's, like, scary about the movie is, like, also kind of iconic, especially, like, the sound when they're killing. It's like, mm-hmm. but that's, like, actually, you know... Uh, repurposed forever. Oh yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. Now I, I now I get like the Bates Motel references and stuff. Like just staying at the Bates Hotel. Um, so that's uh, great for me. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously amazing, right? It's known to be one of the like classic pioneer like horror movies, mm-hmm. and it's it really stands up the test of time. I the comments I made to you before we started recording. I think one of the things I like the most as a storyteller is like it's just very simple like i mean obviously there's a lot of complexities but it's like simple in it's like display it's the storyline is actually fairly simple but i think that the best the best like the best laid out stories are quite simple and then they build the suspense from within and if you want to talk about building suspense this movie is basically as good as it can possibly get it's like 
through just like soft dialogue and like simple looks and the musical choices and stuff, it just generates an insane amount of suspense that you're worried the whole time. And it doesn't rely on like fancy equipment to use, basically. There's no CGI that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. The camera work is, to be honest, very simple. <laughs> very like this is not this first time talking. though. Fair. But if you're looking at it from a lens of being of watching like a 2020 movie, sure. all of a sudden like you watch this like 1960 black and white flick and things are pretty stock seeming, mm -hmm. right? Except for the, the storytelling is incredible, right? And that's why a movie like this, I feel like stands up this test of time. Also, it obviously like set the bar at its time. Um, but yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on Psycho? So I thought it was interesting that like I've seen it twice now. Uh, obviously, I like the movie. Um, it's cool to look at a movie like this. I kind of just mentioned Rear Window, uh, another Hitchcock movie. But it's cool to like watch these movies and now see how people might pay homage to them in movies today. Uh, something that I like bring up is it was a big shocker that. When the movie came out, Janet Lee got killed in the first, I don't know, 40 minutes. Yeah. That was like shocking to everyone. So, and a movie that you've seen and that I love, Scream, they did this exact same thing with Drew Barrymore at the very beginning of the movie. They put her on like the cover of the movie poster. Nobody knew. And that's when you were able to keep secrets like that back in the 90s because we didn't have this like internet age of just like everything's being discovered so quickly yeah uh so that they're paying homage to that and i think that's really cool to kind of like follow those little things i watched a horror movie this year it's called malignant and i'm not going to get into what it's about but also sick movie you should watch <laughs> okay. it Ugh, maybe <laughs> horror movies just don't do me rigs give me more classics this is a classy horror movie but do you remember there's a moment where uh, Mrs. Bates is like running it's an overhead shot yeah, and they're like yeah. running around the stairs mm -hmm. and then comes out uh, and stabs someone in the stairwell the Arbogast the PI yeah. yeah they do a very similar thing where they're like they just show the person in Malignant running through the house from a top down view and like you can watch this stuff and be like Psycho. That's right. what that's what that director James Wan is doing. That's and I, I really like like little stuff like that. Um, the big moment in Jaws when they have like that zoom out of the guy's face and everything else behind him is. I'm, how do I explain this? Like, do you know what I'm talking about, Kev? Well, yeah, like, the Jaws shot is like the zoom out slash zoom in at the same time. Yeah, the yeah. push pull zoom. Yeah, um, that's from the movie Vertigo. Uh, which is another Hitchcock thing. So, like, Hitchcock was inventing these things. Right. Which is kind of cool. Pioneer. Yes. Yeah. So, I... Uh, and you went in completely blind, right? Yep. So, you didn't know the twist. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. But I will say, like... I mean... I had seen... Like, ref like it's, this movie is referenced nonstop. <laughs> so, it's, like, blind to a certain extent. But I, like, already knew there was, like, a sh the shower murder scene. Like, I sure. already knew that. Yeah. Um, and then to be fair, like as the story got like rolled out, I was like anticipating stuff. So, okay. um, you know, once they said that like the mom had been murdered, I was like, okay, we're in a situation here where it's possible, entirely possible that Norman Bates is actually just like pretending to be his mom yeah. or like, 
keeping his mom's like body or, or just like wearing her. I don't, you know, it's like I, I was like circling around what wound up happening, but I mm-hmm. wasn't like right on the money. Right. Um, I did like I did have a weird attachment to the forty thousand dollars that got that got stuck down in the swamp. I was like. Fuck, someone should get that. <laughs> you know, not the guy probably should just get his money back, but I was like, find that money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, great watch. And uh I do like like you've given me a couple movies from way back when and and they're always like really rewarding. Cause I feel like I don't gravitate to them generally speaking on my own. Um, but under your watchful eye and my your support. I, I watch them and I usually really like them. So um thanks for the psycho watch. Nice. Um all right, we're gonna get into our feature discussion here. Uh we're gonna be talking about movies to stream on Netflix Canada. So mm-hmm. if you're uh outside the country and listening to this, first of all apologies you might not be able to find these, but you might. Some are uh crossovers. Um so you know if you're in the States or something like that. But otherwise uh this is for our Canadian listeners primarily which is almost everyone and uh we want to talk uh just to be crystal clear these movies aren't necessarily like netflix studio movies Mm -hmm. they are available to stream on netflix and the reason we want to do an episode like this is we get a lot of questions and and recommendations uh recommendation requests so people often asking like you know what should i watch right and and that's like the go-to and we haven't done we've done like games and rankings and drafts and um you know and and by so doing recommending like dozens of movies but this one is is a pretty uh you know direct straightforward straightforward ranking or sorry recommendation show right which we haven't really done i'm not sure if we've even done any of these to be honest um, with with such a clear uh intentionality around recommending movies and and seeing as netflix is by far the most popularly owned like streaming service and almost everyone that I talk to know whatever has access to a Netflix account. Um, we thought it would be the best place to start and we want to see if this works well, potentially do it for some of the other services as well. But these are ones that you can just sit down and press play because everyone knows that the toughest thing to do is actually decide on what you're going to watch. So uh, look no further. We're going to throw out five each for a total of 10. Uh, first, we want to talk a little bit about Netflix. Cal, I want to ask you, do you remember when you like started watching Netflix or or stopped watching DVDs or some version of cuz that happened at the same time for mm. a lot of people. Yeah. The first memory that I can remember of I I didn't buy my own Netflix subscription by myself initially and it was actually I was like mooching off of an ex-girlfriend's dad's account for a long time. Classic. Now it, like when I say ex-girlfriend like she is now an ex we were together at the time that i was using their account i think i think actually when we broke up i got my own account you didn't just keep using it i it would have felt weird to me yeah i guess yeah kind of awesome though (laughs) (laughs) but um and i can remember he was like very particular like we, he had a, like a, a like a guest profile that people could use, but he was very protective of like, don't use my profile because that's going to screw up my whole algorithm Amazing. of what, because he was really into what Netflix thought that he should watch. Fair. He, that's honestly ahead of its time, to be honest, <laughs> as the algorithm has got, you know, more and more elite. Yeah. Um, so that's my Netflix uh 
Earth story. Yeah, that's funny. I think I honestly, my first one was like my brother got an account and I just got in on the login. But I, it, looking back, like I, I hardly remember the shift. I feel like one day I was watching a DVD, then the next day I just had Netflix and didn't have DVDs anymore, (laughs) you know, like, and at the start, for sure, like, at the start of the sort of streaming revolution, say, in, like, I don't know when you want to call it, like, 2008 or something, Mm -hmm. like, I also just had a ton of movie files from, like, torrenting them or, or, like, I suppose buying them on iTunes or whatever, like, you could, like, buy or, like, VOD, and I, like, also just, you know, had access to, like, the UVic, like, downloading spree, so, you know, I just felt like I... I had like files, just movie files on my computer, which was, and then, so that was kind of the middle point. It was like DVDs, DVDs. Then there was like a year where I just like downloaded movies or streamed them online. Then it was like Netflix showed up on the scene and just from doing some research on Netflix, um, <laughs> I thought this is pretty funny to look up, but like they were a video rental service and they were like a mail out rental service, which is actually pretty cool. And at the time was pretty like, innovative and uh amazon offered to buy it for like a shit ton of money and they said no which at this point seems like a really smart idea but at the time could have been like pretty lucrative for them in any case um they they really started like streaming in like 2007 after starting in 97 as like a rental service and uh Funnily enough, a special note here, you can still go to dvd.com and you can still subscribe and get DVDs mailed to you by Netflix, Um, which I definitely didn't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, That that used to be their like primary business model, which was like they had an enormous catalog and you could just like build a list and like request DVDs and they'd mail it to you on your like under your subscription. And there was no late fees or anything. You could just only hold one or two at a time. Mm-hmm. And then you just mail it back for free. And people, like, they, they mailed out, like, five billion in the first, like, ten years of this service. So they were, like, absolutely crushing it. Um, and it's just funny that you can still do that. Like, and, and I, we were talking about it. Like, it's possible that it's still worth it to do this if you have an ac- access to, like, a good DVD player or Blu-ray or whatever. To like subscribe to these because they have basically every single TV series and sh- and uh, movie. Like, yeah, it's, it's not, not like, just it's not what's. Like, yeah, it's not their the catalog, and so it. I don't know. It begs the question of like if you were like really efficient about how you did this, and you were getting like a mail in mail out type situation almost every day. I understand it's not as logistically great. But you could potentially just watch like every movie, any movie you wanted from, and you wouldn't need any service. You just need your DVD player and and you don't even, and you subscribe, it's like eight bucks a month or something. And they could mail you like one to two, three, four per week, potentially how, how quickly you're mailing them back to them, <laughs> I suppose. Um, I was staring at it today when I was researching this and I was like, should I fucking do this? Should I get rid of like Disney, get rid of Crave, get rid of everything and just sink in my $9 a month into Netflix and just like be really disciplined about mailing movies back and forth with them? I don't think I'm going to do that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it would, I would be impressed if you like made that full conversion. You just can't, you have to live up like a planned lifestyle. And uh, I don't think you're up to that right now, Kev. Yeah, Sorry, buddy. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm up for it. You're pretty like diligent with your calendar. But I don't know if you're like 
diligent with like, well, 9 p.m. Like, what do I want to watch? Like, no, all the I'm time. Not. And and you have to be pretty ahead of the game to like get them mailed out to you because they do take like like a business day to get to you. Yeah. So I'll think about it. But no I late can't fees. Imagine, yeah, no late fees. So it's no worries. But you can only hold one or two at a time. So in any case, that's my rant about Netflix. And I want us to get going on this um, and start talking about movies on Netflix. Um, and definitely after the episode airs, like feel free to DM us and like tell us one like obvious ones we missed. Cal, I want to go over some of the ground rules here. Okay. Okay. Some of the ground rules we established were a they can't the movie that we're going to talk about the movies that we're going to talk about can't have previously been like given mass airtime on our show. Right. Okay. So like, there's some pretty like uh, obvious bangers on Netflix. Like, obviously, there's like whatever thousands of amazing titles, and a bunch of them we've featured fairly heavily. I.e., Booksmart. Booksmart yeah. would probably be on both of our lists for like top Netflix recommendations. Mm-hmm. Booksmart is being featured pretty heavily on multiple episodes. Yeah. So we're not going to give it airtime today, but watch it if you have. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and then next, you know, we I think we both took it. Looking at our list, I think we both took it upon ourselves not just to recommend like Tarantino's catalog, like he has sick movies or something on Netflix. It's mm-hmm. like you; those are some of the greatest movies ever potentially right and there's others right social network like there's netflix houses some of the most fantastic movies ever made i I like to think that we're a little bit off the beaten path not entirely cow's list is a little more off the beaten path than mine but nonetheless like these are movies that for whatever reason we've decided to give a little energy to today so hopefully you know if you're listening to this you've only seen a couple of these and you get a nice recommendation dose uh here today is that fair? Like I summed it up, Cal? Yeah. And I would just bring up that if anyone watches like one of our recommendations, let us know. I would be stoked to hear about that. And, you know, let us know if you liked it. Let us know if you didn't like it. But, you know, I think they're all good movies. So. All right. Sweet. Cal, why don't you kick us off? Okay. My first movie is called Dope. It's a 2015 movie. Uh, I'm going to give you a little rundown here. High school senior... Malcolm and his two friends aren't your typical black high school students from Inglewood, California. They're obsessed with 90s hip-hop, they get straight A's, and they play in their own punk band. Uh, And beginning of the movie, they attend a birthday party hosted by a local drug dealer, played by ASAP Rocky, which is busted up by the police. The next day, Malcolm discovers that his backpack has been stuffed with several pounds of the drug Molly. And then the movie becomes an adventure about Malcolm and his friends trying to dispose of the drugs safely while also still trying to play in their punk band, while also still trying to get into Harvard uh, and chase their dreams. Uh, So it's a bit of an adventure movie. It's super stylish. Their outfits and everything. Tons of dope. There you go. uh, 90s hip hop needle drops. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is in the movie as the love interest. And I think it's just like a lot of fun and the music kicks ass in it. And I, yeah, check out Dope. Okay, so I want to say, because I haven't seen this and I'm stoked to, this is sweet because looking at your list, I'm going to get a bunch of recommendations, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I always feel like there's, like at this point of me being into like movies, you know, for a while now. I almost feel like sometimes Netflix is like not the place to go for movies anymore or like 
maybe maybe it never was maybe it was i don't know like there's so many good movies on netflix let's get real but at the same time for whatever reason when i just like see a movie on netflix unless it's one that i know to be like a straight banger for example dope it's possible that this is just like rolled across my algorithm and i'm like nah i'm probably not gonna watch that because i don't know that much about it and i don't actually inherently trust netflix to be doling out like real stunners to me that are outside of, say, like the monster critically acclaimed Goodwill Hunting's out there, which is on Netflix right now. Um, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's cool that, like, I'm I'm already going to enjoy your list because I think that you're going to give me a, a handful of recommendations here that I haven't seen that I probably wouldn't have. So nice. Um, yeah, cool to hear. Sweet. Okay, I'm going to swing in here with the 2017 Bong Joon-ho movie Okja. Hell yeah. Uh, again, this one, I feel like every single person that is like a movie person or even just into movies or into film at all has seen Parasite. I think Parasite is like one of the greatest movies in recent history. Hell yeah. Um, and everyone loves it. But same director and a couple years before... Okja, I feel like, is pretty quiet. I don't really, I don't know how, if it got a lot of attention in the 2017 Oscar race. Don't think so. Um, but it's really good. And I feel like anyone who likes, like, adventure-style movies with a bit of a twist, like a little of a dark edge, uh, uh, Okja is the movie for you. Um, it's also got a huge cast, like, and I'm talking like a monster cast, like outside of like the main girl who's like the lead, who isn't like a, you know, a known entity, I suppose. Mm-hmm. There's also Tilda Swinton, Paul Dano, Jake Gyllenhaal, Stephen Yun. Moaning Myrtle is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like an energetic, fast paced uh, adventure movie. And it's just a weird watch as well, which is like fun and refreshing. I think it's like an adventure movie that doesn't necessarily adhere to all the same like tropes that you might get um, in a sort of like a yeah wild and fun adventure romp. Um, Yeah, basically, I'll I'll give you the plot and then I'll just absolutely move on. But uh, this little girl and her dad in this small town raised like a genetically modified pig, super pig. And then the parent company of this project comes and takes it away. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. And then she goes on an adventure trying to get that thing back. And this is a weird watch and you get very weird Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, it's it's a movie. Like Bong Joon-ho's movies always have like a, a bigger message. Um, and so this one's tackling the food and meat industry. And so... I actually only watched Okja for the first time this past summer. And I was almost like disappointed in myself. I was like, something this good has just been in front of my eyes for this whole time. And I was like, no, I don't want to watch this Netflix. That's what I'm saying. That's my bad. I guess. Yeah, we're, we're, we're guilty of the same thing, I think. And, uh, you know, for all the problems that the Netflix algorithm has that we've talked about as far as like deciding what you want to see, sometimes they just get it right. And yeah. Okja just sits on everyone's home screen. Like, for a bunch of us, I imagine, that watch a lot of movies, it'll just be there. If you haven't seen it, hit play. Worth it. Nice. All right. Should I get going here? Yeah. Okay. So, my next one, I've I've made, like, little brief mentions of this uh, in the p- 
past, but I want to talk about The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is one of my favorite movies from 2019, which if you go back and look at the movies that came out in 2019, this is everything that's pre-pandemic. Banger year. And I'm not going to like list them off. We're going to focus on Last Black Man. So the movie is, uh, it's, it's, it's about, it's a kind of like a true story about a guy named Jimmy who's determined to reclaim an old Victorian home in San Francisco that he says is built by his grandfather. Meanwhile, San Francisco is growing as a tech hub and the city continues to grow uh, while he and his friend Mont, Mont, uh, Monty, who is played by Jonathan Majors, who I gave some love as, I believe I called him the most... What was it? Like the hottest actor or something? Uh, <laughs> the most like interchangeable. Right, right, right. Versatile, act- yeah. versatile actor. Yeah. I, I, I was playing my keeper card. Yeah. Um, so Jimmy and Mont have grown up in San Francisco and they're starting to be able to identify less and less with the city itself. And so it's a movie about gentrification and like friendship. There are two huge ones as well as like family and estrangement a little bit and i just i watched it in 2019 and i was like really blown away by the cinematography i thought it looks gorgeous it's a bit of like an art house flick but um and the musical score really like kept me going throughout the whole thing and it's like a love story to a city that you once knew and I would recommend, I, I talk about this all the time. Someone's like, oh, what should I watch? And I'm like, watch The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And I always get people coming back like, hey, I finally did it. And it was really cool. It's really different than what I like would normally watch. It's pacing's like a little, little slower, but I think that it's like worth watching. Yeah, it's really good. You 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 were one of the, uh, you recommended it to me and I'm one of those guys that watched it when you told them to. Um, there we go. But yeah, it's, it's a really lovely watch. It's very soft and it's quite tender in its in its messaging and um, yeah, it's it's just a it's a great watch. And I know you study to the soundtrack, so I do. Yeah, yeah. So I can appreciate that. Nice, good suggestion. Um, okay, I'm gonna take uh, my Oakja adventure flick and absolutely double down. If you want an adventure movie, you've got it in the 2015 Taika Waititi Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh yeah. Now, I think this is like another one that kind of goes like underappreciated. Like this was one that I hadn't heard of. Then when I heard of it, I watched it and was like, this movie fucking absolutely rips. Right. It's, it's also fast paced. It's a, it's a bizarre adventure movie. And it's again, unique. I feel like Taika's style is pretty interesting and pretty unique. And it kind of like, it always has like comedy in it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you could argue that this is just a comedy. I think it probably is, to yeah. be honest. But it's like more so adventure it's comedy. like adventure comedy, family, fun, family, like interest movie. And they always find a way to like make it make the absurd seem regular and funny. And uh, so this is a situation where um, the, the the plot in an ultra quick 150 character tweet is uh, Ricky Baker, like a troubled kid, fosters with a family and then him and the dad get like lost in the woods and then there becomes like a global manhunt for them and they have to like run away. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it, you know, in the, in the short, in the short term, but the characters are pretty lovable and spending the time with 
especially the, the primary character, Ricky, mm-hmm. is like, it's energetic and yeah, it's, it's a great watch. What you, you've seen Hunt for the Wilder People, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our friend Malcolm recommended it to us and eventually I got around to seeing it and similar to you, I was like, I had no idea this existed. I don't even know if I knew who Taika Waititi was at this point. This was probably my first thing I saw with him. Maybe, I guess Jojo Rabbit I no, saw. Right, but Jojo is after this. After, I just hadn't seen. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, um, but I, Hunt for the Wilder People is great. And I, I, it's, it's a constant one that I recommend people to watch. And I get like, well, I don't know. Do I like want to watch this kid about this kid in the forest? Like, yeah, you do. It's really fun. Yeah. Mm. It's a good, great recommendation, Kev. Yeah, I feel like it'd be one of those ones where... If you don't watch a lot of movies, and especially if you don't gravitate towards movies with like kids as the lead, which is always like seems like a bit of a dice roll. Although these days it seems like less of a dice roll. I don't know if the kids are just way sicker actors now, but um, it's like this one's worth the plunge. Let me just say that. Nice. Um, Okay, so I'm going to take us to a dark comedy. It's from also from 2019. Uh, It's called Villains. Kevin, have you heard of this movie? I haven't even heard of it. When okay. I saw it on your list, I was like, dark comedy, 2019? How have I not? And I'm in. Yeah, okay. So it start, starts a couple of people, but it, like the standout that I remember is Bill Skarsgård. Um, I'm actually going to have two Skarsgårds on my list. Boom. I should have gone for the, 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 the trifecta. However, villains, premise. There are, are, are two main characters are... They're like small time criminals, thieves, and after robbing a small gas station, they're driving away and they run out of gas. So they decide to go into the nearby home. They're like kind of out in the sticks and they break in, little do home burglary and in the midst of trying to find gasoline to fill up their car, they discover that there is a small girl chained up in the basement. Totally normal. Yeah. And so they're like, <laughs> okay, we need to save this child. At the same time, the homeowners come home. And now you're like, well, I thought these guys, like, I, who are the bad guys now? The, the movie's called Villains. The two main characters, they're not great people. They just, like, robbed a gas station. But then the two people that just come home that are also having their home broken into, they've got a small child chained up in the in the basement. Um, thoughts that I have about it, I don't want to give too much away, but it's incredibly entertaining. It's unpredictable. It's well acted by all the characters. And it's not very long. I think it's in, in the like 90 minute range. Uh, so if you're looking for something like kind of a little different uh, and you're like not sure who you're supposed to like, Check out Villains. Sweet. Full of crime, guys. You know I'm in. (laughs) Wow. 2019 is taking an absolute run because my next recommendation is a 2019 movie as well. And I've got another one on my list, too. Oh, my gosh. Okay. My next one is Uncut Gems. Now, this is... It's a pretty popular movie. So, you could be thinking, like, Kev, you're, you know, recommending a huge, like, Netflix hit. Um, This is a Netflix original, as was Okja, or, like, a Netflix... uh, Maybe not Maybe not Netflix original isn't, isn't the best word, but it's like a Netflix studio movie. Yep. And it stars Adam Sandler, directed by the Safdie Brothers. Um, you assigned me Good Times, the Safdie Brothers movie. 
Yeah, with uh, Robert Patterson. Like a year and change ago. And uh, boy, oh boy, you want to talk about like stressful, right? That movie really lays it down. You can't help but feel like Uncut Gems is just like a more refined version of Good Time. It's like yeah. equally as anxiety ridding, but in just a little bit of a different way. Um, Uncut Gems is, I mean, if you haven't seen it, like I would also consider this a must watch. It's a different must watch in the sense that, in the sense that, like Hunt for the Wilder People, I'd be like, you're gonna watch that and you're just you're gonna like it. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're just, gonna, you're you're just gonna, gonna smile. Yeah, you're gonna like this movie. Um, you're gonna smile. It's gonna be fun. Uncut Gems is not fun. It's it's not fun. You might not smile, uh, except for at the very end, and then you might be like, wow, I'm smiling about how good my life is and <laughs> as compared to what's going on on the screen. Um, but it is like a wild ride through um, Adam Sandler's uh, character, who is a... Um, and uh, he owns like a jewelry store, and he is a degenerate gambler. Um, you could argue. Um, he... And he is wheeling and dealing and making moves, selling rings and taking collateral and betting all the money he owed to someone for something else. And um, again, I'm not going to I'm not going to spell out the whole thing, but it gets nasty. And it is it is a movie of compounding bad decision making on top of each other. You rarely feel comfortable and you don't really know what to hope for. Um, and, and you just don't really get that pressure release that you're used to getting in situations where the stress builds, then the release build, then release. You don't really get much of that in these safety brother rides. Um, this movie's so, so good. And at the end of the day, like when you turn the TV off and you're done, I found it, it is actually really satisfying in my opinion. I'm not saying the ending satisfying. I'm not saying the whatever, but it is a like... I feel rewarded when I watch this movie, if that makes sense. And I rewatched it to make sure I wanted to put it on this list. Nice. Um, this is a movie that, if you like movies and if you like storytelling, you should watch Uncut Gems and put yourself through the grinder a bit. How many times have you watched it? Like three, I think. I've watched it four times. Okay, so okay, I don't have to explain <laughs> myself to you. Yeah. Um, that's a great pick. I, I mean, it like... It, it, it kind of becomes like a sports movie in terms of like how they gamble and they're co- like how the obsessed they get with it. Um, and it's just a little personal shout out. It's like super fun for me to see Kevin Garnett acting in it. Cause he's one of my top three favorite basketball players of all time. And I thought he was great. I mean, he's playing himself, but he, I thought he did a great job and I just, the sound is overwhelming in it. It's horrifying. I mean, the sound <laughs> in Good Time is like a techno bass beat from the minute the movie starts to the very end. This one has stressful music, but it's more just like conversationally. It's like he's in a car and he's on the phone. People are yelling at him. God, it is. That's just his life. Yeah. That's, and that's his, that's his normal. So. Yeah. It, and it feels like I'm recommending it but saying you're going to hate it, you're not. It's so good. It's, yeah. And it's so well executed. Uh, watch Uncut Gems if you haven't. Just just, just get it out of the way because it is a wacky watch. Nice. Okay. Let's go to my next pick, which is a movie. It's a 2021 movie. Uh, it came out, I think, in like November. Uh, it's called Passing. Uh, it stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega. Uh, and it's 
takes place in the 1920s of Harlem. Tessa Thompson plays a character named Irene. And Irene has a chance run-in with an old friend whom she's not seen in 12 years, played by Ruth Nega. She plays a woman named Claire. During their catch-up, Claire reveals that she's been posing as a white woman in her everyday life. This is where the term passing comes along. I've been passing as a white person. Uh, Then we meet her husband, Alexander Skarsgård, who quickly reveals himself himself as a bigot in fact there's like in the trailer you'll see it so this isn't a spoiler he doesn't dislike negroes but he hates them according to him according to him yes yes meanwhile he's sitting with his wife who is a black woman is a black woman across from their friend who is a black woman but they're in in the context he doesn't really realize it they're both a little more light-skinned the movie is shot in gorgeous black and white, so it really like helps subdue and kind of like gray everything. And I was like really impressed by this movie. It's very nuanced, it's very subtle, and I would highly recommend this to anyone who wants if, uh, I think the movie's 90 minutes long. Uh it's a little a little slower in terms of like actual like plot movement, but you'll slowly start to see Claire like showing up again and again and again back into this family's life and like wanting to hang out with, you know, her her people, her culture that she grew up with and trying to like slowly assimilate herself while also reaping the benefits of being a white woman in the 1920s. Because Interesting. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's a it's a movie about race. It's a movie about having the best of both worlds and really like community love and like what is actually like fulfilling for you. So check out Passing. Again, I said it's like it really is gorgeous. It looks really good. Uh, turn the lights out when you watch it. And uh, I love I'm just like being a, like a score guy but like there's this like little piano riff like throughout the whole thing that I really loved it's like beautiful jazz the whole way through yeah just donate you're a score guy yeah you're a crime guy and I'm a I'm a score guy amazing um that's a 2021 movie right yeah it's new yeah and it's a female directed by Rebecca Hall who you'll know from the movie like The Town and uh, this is her directorial debut Awesome. She wrote and directed it. It's awesome. really cool. And it's a Netflix studio movie, right? Yes. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, shout, shout out to Netflix. Apparently, yeah. Um, okay, this is my fourth. Fourth out of five recommendations. Um, and this is also a Netflix studio movie uh, from also 2019. And this is... I'm bringing it back to life with this recommendation. Uh, if you haven't seen it, watch it. And if you have seen it, rewatch it. Because this is a fucking crazy story. It's the Firefest documentary. Okay. I know I've talked a lot about docs. I, I've really come into documentary watching in the last, like, couple of years. Um, I know I call them daytime watches. Like, literally, like, learning watches, right? Fire is so wild. It is such a ride. It is, like, there's nothing... This movie is so energetic. Like, I would recommend it to absolutely everybody. Right? This feels like a story that's too wild to be true. And it's like ultra watchable. And for those who aren't familiar with the story, 
Um, basically, like, this guy wants to start, like, a or do, like, a major, like, music festival on, like, a remote island and just, like, cons and schemes his way to making it happen. And then it just doesn't happen. Like, yeah. Um, and that's not, you know, giving anything away because uh, you know that, like, at the very start. <laughs> and you know that if you've seen, like, the news and stuff from what had happened. Um, but him and, like, Ja Rule and, and some other, like, movers and shakers just, like fucking con people and stuff to raise money and then they just can't execute um and the story behind like how it all happens and then the, the story but like what's the aftermath is so wild that it feels like it can't be true and it's all on camera and they slap it in front of you in a documentary version uh watch it it's so good and if you've watched it rewatch it because it's still shocking right it's like that scene obviously the iconic moment where oh yeah that guy is like I was gonna suck someone's dick to get water. It's like it was so like that was so poignant, and it's like you don't have to watch much more to be like this is fucking wild. So um, anyway, I looked it up. By the way, uh, Billy McFarland is in jail. He's still there. So in case people were wondering, um, I couldn't help but feel like this came out in 2019. It got a ton of attention. So I'm not breaking any like wild stories here. But then the COVID pandemic happened. And this thing got absolutely erased off Netflix. Like, it's still on there, but it just wasn't relevant anymore because, mm-hmm. you know, this was like a wild story, but then then the biggest story of everyone's lives became the only story, COVID pandemic. If you haven't, if you, you might just not have got to fire or you might have watched it, then I forgot about it. Rewatch slash watch. This movie is so fucking crazy. Yeah, that moment that you brought up, uh, like what Kev just said does not do it justice. Right. It like I yelled at the TV and like I I don't really do that when I'm by myself that often, but I was by myself watching it was like a Friday afternoon. I was gonna go for dinner that night and I like I screamed and I can remember going to dinner that night with a couple of people and being so excited. I'm like, hey, did anyone watch this? And then one other person did. And we just dominated the table conversation for like 10 minutes. And everyone's like, what are we doing? And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I need to talk about this. Hey, documentaries can do that. I, I think more than like a movie, like a movie film. Because it's real life. And you're like, life. wow, this really happened. Yeah. And then you get your phones out and you start being like, where is he now? What's yeah. happening now? Like, that's, yeah, that's the beauty of, of those like, insanely impactful docs um yeah fucking crazy (laughs) okay let's go to my last one uh which is a uh 2011 movie uh it's called warrior um kev you need to watch this i can't believe i haven't watched it okay this is a real shock it is directed by gavin o'connor who miracle he did miracle all right so if you're gonna watch anything sports movie come on uh premise Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerson star as estranged brothers from a broken family with Nick Nolte as the recovering alcoholic father. Uh, Both brothers, they have like fighting history. One is ex-military. One was just like a former MMA fighter. uh, Decide to enter Sparta, which is a new like UFC style MMA tournament where i think it's like you have four days and four fights you win you move on so they take 16 fighters and so you're just like fighting every day every day and uh purse is five million dollars wow um the movie kicks 
ass. It's one of the better sports movies I've ever watched. I'll, I'll put it up for there with that. Uh, little shout out to Kurt Angle if you're like a wrestling fan because he plays like the big bad uh, fighter that like one of them is going to have to have a showdown with. And basically like these two brothers, they don't they don't talk. They don't like have a relationship with them each other anymore because it's like such a broken family but they both train and i'm not an mma guy don't watch ufc but i was so impressed with the actual like the training that they had to do the shape that they had to get themselves into the physicality of it all yeah and like they had to like suspend shooting for i think eight weeks because joel edgerton like tore his meniscus or something like that so um this movie kicks ass. If you are into sports movies, watch Warrior. Will do. And like you're looking at me right now, but it also seems like you're really looking at me. You know, like <laughs> like, like there's no microphone, and you're we, just like Kevin. You have to watch this movie. We talked about uh, I think last episode. We were like, we gotta have like a code for. I think we said it would be Coda for like this movie's like gonna be for you, right? So. Coda Warrior. Right. It's like the Malala, like the like, yeah, y- like blind trust. Mm-hmm. You're going to watch this and absolutely love it. And you don't even get to say anything yeah. to, to, to go again. Yeah. Okay. Noted. Consider it absolutely done. Um, okay. Let's wrap up our list here. I also have a sports movie. And Hell it's yeah. Also from 2011. Um, this is Moneyball. And again, I think you could probably look over my list in particular and be like, yeah, Kev, these are all like absolute bangers. But, uh, I still feel like some of these movies fly a little under the radar and I just want to bring to light like how much heat they're absolutely throwing at all times. Moneyball is amazing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 a, an adaptation from the Michael Lewis um, book. Um, journalist, author, economist, whatever. He wrote The Big Short as well, which was adapted extremely well. I just feel like these books like don't really scream like adapt me into a movie and then when they are done, they're really good. And that's probably uh, a testament to not only him as an author, but also the team that takes it and adapts it, obviously. Um, but, you know, in Moneyball's case, pretty banging cast. Jonah Hill, Brad Pitt, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Chris Pratt, Robin Wright. Um, but this is the story of Billy Bean, the um, general manager of the Oakland Athletics, and how he, like, innovated and, like, changed the sport. It is, like a nine iron away from being a documentary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it feels documentary-ish, but it's not. It's a dramatization. It's a biopic. But it's like, got that energy of like, while you're reading, like while you're watching this, because it's a biopic and like a true story in quotes, I suppose, like a dramatization, it had me like looking everything up and like I had read the book and then I like, actually I had watched the movie, then read the book, then watched the movie again. So like, I had me like flipping the pages and like Googling stuff and being like Billy Beans, like athletics. And like, as just like a general sports fan and someone who like definitely followed the Mariners closer in like the two thousands, like you knew about those athletics teams, yeah. the nineties and two thousands, like some of those like nasty Oakland A's teams. So and Miguel Tejada, there's so much going on in this, in this uh, story is if you're a sports fan and a numbers person and stuff, it is a real like sports porn for, it's very, very nice. So, um, I, you know, it's pretty popular. I imagine a lot of our listeners have seen it. I would say, A, it's worth a rewatch. It's very, sure. very rewarding sure. to rewatch. Um, and B, if you haven't seen it and you, like, even think about sports at all, 
make this an immediate watch right above Warrior. And then once you watch that, okay. you can watch Warrior. <laughs> but it's an all-timer. You know, one thing that this movie does really well is like you don't have to be a baseball fan to appreciate it. Like the acting is really good, but and it's not just about like the movie does not rest its laurels on how good the baseball looks. It's it's a movie about numbers. There isn't that much baseball really played. Exactly. And so I think that like baseball is not that very popular with like general public these days uh, in the same way that people might want to watch other stuff. Uh it's and I think like people might turn it down because it's like they see like baseball uniforms and stuff and but I think it's they do a really good job of not making it about like baseball itself but as they say in the movie how could you not be romantic about baseball exactly and I will also add that this might be one of the only times where Brad Pitt doesn't feel like Brad Pitt ish if that right. makes sense okay. like yeah, he yeah, obviously yeah. is but like I often find that with a Brad Pitt movie, you're just like, there's Brad Pitt with long hair looking like a smoke, or there's Brad Pitt taking his top off looking like an absolute <laughs> unit. In this one, you're like, there's like, it's like a subdued Brad there's, Pitt. There's Billy there's Bean. There's Billy Bean. Yeah. So, um, Sweet Jonah Hill spot too. Oh yeah. And Philip Seymour? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. Um, must watch. There's 10 movies for you. Just to recap, Cal with Dope, Last Black Man in San Francisco, Villains, Passing, and Warrior. Kev with Okja, Hunt for the Wilder People, Uncut Gems, Fire, and Moneyball. Take those 10, get to watching, get straight to Netflix and press play. Cal, homework and get out of here? Yeah. All right, what do you have for me? Kevin, I'm giving you juice. It's uh, it's February. It's Black History Month, so I want you to watch Ernest Dickerson's movie Juice. Amazing. Consider it done. Okay. <laughs> I won't fail you again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna shout out to my girlfriend Carrie, who's a period piece legend. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna assign you Master and Commander. Okay. Uh, I'm like already book. scared to tell her that I haven't watched it, so for her to like listen to this. Yeah, she'll know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. It's an all-time. It's, okay. it's an all-time Russell Crowe performance, to be honest. Okay, sweet. All right, uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Hopefully, you can take these recommendations and stay tuned uh, for a short turnaround for our next episode for our pre-Oscars uh, episode. We're coming. Thanks for listening. Sweet. Sweet.